Hey guys, welcome back for another episode of Bayou Chronicles. We're your hosts. I'm Bethany. And I'm Crystal. Um, let's just jump right on into the socials. You know you're here for the goods and the goods only, so let's get all that knocked out before we get into the episode. Um, it is almost time again for our once a month Twitch stream. We are still looking for ideas of what you guys want us to talk about. So far, we have talked about true crime. We've talked about a couple conspiracy theories. We have not talked about anything paranormal yet over on Twitch. I promise that not, was not a ghost. That was something that was me falling off the desk. <laughs> um, so, yeah, if you have something spooky that you want us to talk about, um, look forward to that. Mid-April, we still don't really have a date yet, but we like to let you guys in on it beforehand. Um, and also, we are getting hip. We are still down with the side part, and me and Crystal are both wearing skinny jeans right now. <laughs> but we're getting hip, and we now have a TikTok. So you can find us over on TikTok at Bayou Chronicles Podcast. Um, we're going to be posting a few videos on there after we record today so look out for that go drop us a follow come laugh and cringe and whatever <laughs> it's gonna be to. cringe it's gonna be cringe. um but we are on there now so you can add that to our list of socials and as usual you can find us at instagram bayou underscore chronicles um twitter bayou chronicles and youtube Bayou Chronicles podcast. Um, and we still have merch available, unisex size shirts from extra small all the way to 2X. Um, I think it's just small. small. Yeah, after I said extra small, I knew that wasn't right. Um, small to 2X. They are super soft. Super. And they have our face on them. Yeah, they have our face, our logo on it. It is $25 plus shipping. Unless you're our local, then we can just drop it, drop off. it off to you. Um, but I am going to go ahead and pass it on over to Crystal. Okay, so I am going to... Let me see if I can phrase this correctly. I'm going to try to be as very respectful as possible. In this case. And as we talk about it, you'll figure out why. Um, today we are talking about and discussing the murder of 12-year-old Justin Bloxham. I want to start off by saying that I truly hope that I can do this case justice. Um, March 30th, so two days after this episode is released, will be the 11th anniversary of his death. Um, this is a huge case in the um, northwest Louisiana, really, area. And it's important to me that I tell this story as accurately as possible. Um, and I cannot think of anything better um, than to tell his story once again so close to the anniversary. Because I think it's something that needs to be heard again and again and again. and we need to keep talking about this. And who knows, maybe it'll help someone out there. I will say that I was very tempted to reach out to the family for information, 
but I sort of felt like I would be intruding and I was also kind of nervous because I wasn't really sure how they would feel about our small podcast covering really and truly one of the worst days of their lives. And I mean, I realize that I'm probably way overthinking this, but really just welcome to an average day of my brain where I overthink everything. Mm -hmm. Um, in my, it's not, it's not my intent to focus on the killer in this case, but rather celebrate the life of Justin and the incredible impact that it has had on the ensuring of protection for other kids in this country. Um, if someone out there that's listening to this case is close to this case, or if you know someone who's close to this case and you send this case to them, um, or you send this podcast to them and I get something wrong, please reach out. Um, I want to make sure that I'm telling this correctly. I do not mind going back and saying I said this wrong. Please tell me if I said something wrong. Um, so let me dive in and let me tell you a little bit about Justin Bloxham, a boy whose death has potentially saved far more from the same fate that he has suffered. And Bethany doesn't know really anything about this case. I should say that as well. Um, uh, That's why I'm respectfully being quiet over here. I'm just letting Crystal walk me through it. Because when I told her I, I didn't know about it, she said, do not Google. Do, yeah. do, put your phone down. And I said, yes, ma'am. <laughs> <laughs> I re See, because most of our cases, we do tell each other the stories and... But they always come along with the fact that we've kind of done a little bit of preliminary Googling. Mm -hmm. um, and for this one, I really just wanted Bethany to hear it as a newcomer. She wasn't, she did not live here when this happened. Mm -hmm. And, you know, she's kind of an outsider in this situation. And so, um, yeah, let me just tell you and Bethany the story. Justin was born May 10th, 1997, and he was the second of four boys. And as two females that live with three boys, I'm pretty sure Bethy will agree with me <laughs> that when I say that his mom was is a saint, <laughs> like, I live with three boys, my husband and my two brothers that I, that I take care of, and then she has her two sons and her husband. Um, it's never quiet in our homes and they're loud and messy and So we essentially crazy. both have three children. Yes, basically. <laughs> um, Justin loved being outside with his friends. He played on the football team and from all accounts was one of the kindest souls ever. Mm -hmm. And I know that we've said it before, and we even said it on the Twitch stream the other night, that it literally seems like that the literal angels on earth are the ones that get taken too soon and the ones that, you know, have to suffer this fate. On the Web of Lies episode that documented Justin's death, his mom, Amy, describes him as someone who could even make folding clothes fun. Hmm. Like, I'm sorry, but if you can make folding clothes fun, then you have to be a heck of a kid. You have to be a heck of a kid to even want to be helping your mom fold clothes. Mm -hmm. um, and she also went on to say that if you knew him and that 
he found out you were having a rough day, that he would go out of his way and try to make it better. Mm -hmm. I mean, to me, from everything I found, from every comment that I've read on posts, different places, on web sleuths, on Facebook, people who knew this kid literally said he was one of the best kids they've ever met. Justin and his family lived in Stonewall, Louisiana, which, if you're not local, you may not know where that is, but it is about 20 minutes south of Shreveport. And actually, if you, um, for Bethany's sake, if you know where Mansfield Road is, if you keep going south on Mansfield Road, you eventually drive right there. Mm -hmm. Um, and I will say Mansfield Road sometimes during this, um, podcast but other times i'll refer to it more broadly as highway 171 mm -hmm. that's really what it's called and stonewall is actually a pretty dang small city it only has about 2,000 people and it sits in a different parish than what we're in now we're in caddo parish and it sits in desoto parish Recently, in like the past 10 or so years, it has become a pretty popular place for young families to move to that are wanting to build a home kind of away from the city. Um, literally, it seems like every day, one other person that's on my social media announces that they're moving to Stonewall to build a city. So yeah, we actually looked out some land out there, but... Decided now. Yeah, well, we weren't ready for home buying. It's it's not my jam. I don't really want to yeah, live out that far. A, it's a bit of a drive, and there's literally nothing yeah. out there. Yeah, so it's not my jam. I live probably fifteen minutes from Stonewall, and that's still like a little too far for me. But now I'm gonna take you down a trip down memory lane. Okay, okay. so this is gonna be a good one. Okay, who here remembers? lying about your age to make a MySpace or Facebook page. Did you ever have to do that? I didn't have to do it for MySpace because I was I was just old enough when it came out. But I did have to lie about faking my age to access stuff all the time. Um, Crystal already knows I grew up with very religious households. So I had no social media till I was like 18 years old. Okay. And that is like 100% the truth. <laughs> okay. So no. So, um, I was the opposite. I was like 13 when MySpace came out and that's when I got a MySpace. And so Justin's MySpace phase was like 2009 kind of okay. era. So he would have been like so 10, were... 11 oh. and I was like 17. Yeah, you were like seventeen, eight. Oh, yeah. I was seventeen, eighteen. I was like fifth. I was fifteen. Yeah. yeah, fifteen. Yeah. Um. So I didn't fake my age for MySpace, but there's plenty of stuff that I had to fake my age to like make an account for. Um. And this is kind of what Justin did. Um. Justin's parents told them that he was way too young for social media, and that it wasn't allowed. But just like every other eleven to fourteen year old kid. During the time, he really didn't listen to a thing his parents said. And so, just like his friends, he created a MySpace account. And I'm sure that he used his MySpace account the same way that 
I used mine, and if you ever had one, did you ever get one? I didn't. I feel like... Oh, my God, Betty. I think I'm the only teenager that did not have... I, like, hear people talk about MySpace all the time. I only know what it looks like because Zach had one, Uh and, like, he showed me it, but I've never, like, had one. (sighs) I, I got Facebook, like, junior year of high school. Okay. Well... What people use MySpace for, um, because I'm pretty sure, like I said, he used it the same way we did, was that you listed your friends, you had your top three or top eight, mine was always my top eight friends, and you could just rank them, which sounds really bad to think I about. so bad. But you would but, rank your friends. But also, like, I didn't have eight friends back in high school, so, like, it would just be blank spaces. <laughs> Hey, I was homeschooled, and I don't even know how I had eight friends, but whatever. Um, And then you had to, like, I did mine every day. You had to pick a song for your front page, and it could be, like, the newest emo song, because you just posted this new picture with, like, your hair over your whole face and, you know, that whole scene. And then, like, my thing to do was... Um, your crush all the time would do, well, you were dating yours, but, (laughs) (laughs) um, they would do, they had like this thing, it's like a wall and you could do like these copy and paste quiz things and it'd be like, what's your favorite song right now? How old are you? What's your favorite color? All these little stupid stuff. And then you would read it and your crush's favorite song, you would put that as your song. So if they came to your page, they would see their favorite song playing on your page. Oh, my gosh. I feel so <laughs> lame because, like, I never did any of that. Oh, I never it was had so any of those things. Like, somebody the other day asked me something about dating apps. And I was like, dude, like, I've literally never had a dating app ever. Okay, but you you and they married were, your husband before they were a thing. I know, and they were like, well, what do you mean? I was like, uh, well, I've been with the same person since I was 16 years old. I didn't have a need for dating apps, and also they weren't a thing. Like, we didn't have Tinder and whatever else there is. Unfortunately, Justin's experience with social media would quickly come to an end when his parents found his page. Mm-hmm. Um, so basically his dad found it and then told his mom and his mom was like, just get stitches. Yeah. But that's not what she really said, <laughs> probably. Um, so his mom gave him a chance, you know, to kind of come clean about it and they ended up talking about it and she, you know, gave him some info about the dangers of the internet and to be careful about how he was portraying himself online because apparently he was, like, saying he was, like, acting some sort of way and making him seem like he was a big, tough guy. And she was like, you know, that's not really the greatest way to portray yourself. So, I don't think you really know what these words mean. So, you know, this is what they mean and this is how you're portraying yourself. Especially so. since he seemed to be like a really sweet, sweet kid. Boy. Yeah. yeah. And he's like 11 or 12 at this He's like 11 at this point. Yeah. So, unfortunately, during this time, though, there were so many parents that were still learning about the internet and learning how crazy it could be for kids. Like, I could probably talk for 12,000 years about the crazy stuff that I witnessed online as a kid. Because it was still new. Like, when our parents were our age, they didn't have social media. Yes. So, it was, like, 
it was completely new for all parents when we were teenagers. Mm-hmm. Like, what do we let them do? Well, Justin's mom, Amy, also mentioned that Justin was completely addicted to his phone, which was normal. It was 2010. I mean, I was 18 and I was addicted to my phone. Um, and by addicted, I mean, she said it was normal for him to send upwards of 2,000 texts a month. And I totally remember those days. And at first, I thought this was a completely outrageous number. But then I kind of broke it down. And that's only 66 messages a day. And that's still a whole lot. But I used to talk to my friends from the second we woke up to the second we went to sleep. And I guarantee you I was sending more than 66 messages a day. Um, Zach, he will deny it to this day. But, like, he would send me love texts. All the time. From the time we woke up, like laying it on heavy, and then of course I would text back, and then so yeah, I mean we were probably sending a good amount. Of yes, text. like there, there's no way that I wasn't equal with this two thousand texts a, a month. Um, so basically he was like every other kid out there. Um, on the evening of March the 29th, 2010, Justin made plans to spend the night with his best friend, Dustin. They planned to have a normal night. Justin, um, would be hanging out and they would be playing games. This was a Monday and the boys would have been on spring break if I'm thinking about it correctly. Um, so that was probably why they were trying to stay up later and just hanging out. According to Dustin, the boys had a pretty chill night, um, but that Justin was attached to his phone texting someone all night long. They hung out until about 9.30 when Dustin said that he started getting tired. They watched some TV in his room and they fell asleep. Around 11 p.m., Justin um, received a text message from an unknown number. And that's when he started the whole, like, who dis kind of conversation. But he didn't say who dis, but you know what I mean. Yeah, I do. (laughs) Like a random number text you and you're just like, um. New phone, who dis. Yeah. Uh, She said that her name was Amber and that she was 14 years old. Um, As their conversation continued, she started sending more and more graphic pictures and graphic text. Um, And I mean, like, graphic nude photos. Apparently, at one point, it got so bad that Justin had to remind her that he was only 12 when she kind of, like, was saying, like, because I guess he was, like, didn't really know what to do with it. And she was like, you're supposed to be trying to turn me on kind of thing. And he's like, I'm only 12. Like, innocent. He, like, he's a, he's a baby. He is a baby. Throughout the night, Amber was trying to convince Justin to meet her. And at one point, he goes outside to, in fact, do that. She claims that she was there and that he just needed to walk down the street to meet her. Um, Rightfully so, he refused, probably a little creeped out, and went back inside of Dustin's house. After some more back and forth, Amber finally convinces him again to come outside and tells him that she is sending a guy named Chad, who is a cab driver, who is coming to pick him up. 
at this point, Justin agrees, and he heads back outside in the early hours of the morning to meet the cab. Once there, the cab arrives, and Justin would get inside, and he would never be seen alive again. So, the last text message that Justin sent Amber was at 3.13 a.m., and all it said was, cab died. While the specifics are not known about what happened next, the evident po- evidence points to one theory. The last text message that Justin sent was to Amber at 3.13 a.m. saying that the, quote, cab died. You see, the person texting Justin was not 14-year-old Amber. It was actually, in fact, 34-year-old Brian Douglas Horn. It was actually Horn that was driving the cab to pick, that picked up Justin as well. The cab that Justin was sitting in was on the side of Highway 71 or Mansfield Road that I mentioned earlier. Horn was a known sex offender who had previously served jail time and according to the book Social Media Killers, among his previous convictions were incidents of touching and raping young girls. He didn't have the best childhood, but this butthole isn't going to be able to use that as an excuse. Plenty of people had sucky childhoods and turned out fine. We have said this once, we will say it a million times. Your childhood does not determine who you are. Um, After a stint in jail, Horn found a job as a cab driver for a company called Action Taxi, and they drove like bright green taxis all around the city. They hired him knowing that he was a sex offender. And let me be clear, I am all for felons or, you know, certain sex offenders (laughs) working good and productive jobs. This is not about nonviolent or, you know, non-sexual felons not having good jobs. And this is not about you know, people who had, you know, their sex, their register as a sex offender, but their person that they did this against was like, they were 21 and their girlfriend was 16. Like, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the real sick freaks who do this to kids. Should not be working in public, in types of public service like this. Especially in a taxi cab world. You'll be alone with the people that you're driving around. And if you pick up somebody that, you know, fits the profile that you're known to be attracted to, that can be It can be a temptation. It can be dangerous. It's just not good. Um, In the days leading up to the murder of Justin, um, Brian Horn borrowed a cell phone from another 12-year-old named Lauren Lindsay. Lauren was friends with Horn's stepdaughter and told her that he wanted to download some ringtones off of her phone. And what he actually was doing was getting her contact list. And I don't know if you remember how this worked, but basically you would save your ringtones to your SIM card in your phone. And then you could take your SIM card out and give it to someone else and they could put it in their phone and then download your ringtones. Did you ever do that? I didn't, but I know people doing that. Yeah, so that's basically what he was trying to do. But what Lauren didn't know was he was actually getting her entire contact list at the time. Mm -hmm. And 
Lauren happened to be friends with Justin and had his number saved in her phone. So I was never able to figure out any info on why Horn targeted Justin. If it was just like a completely random thing. Um, For me, it's just part of the mystery. Yeah, because he's a a boy. It said he was attracted to young girls. So that's... Yeah, so... uh, how how he went from getting his number to text like choosing to text him i don't know maybe we will never know but i and mean texting him as a, a girl as a girl it's just it seems very weird um on the night of march 29th horn started texting justin again pretending to be amber after some back and forth he finally had justin in his car Investigators believe that once the cab broke down, Justin sent that text message that said the cab died to Amber to let her know. At this point, Horn's phone would have went off because he received the text message. It is thought that Justin figured out that Amber was actually Horn and attempted to escape from the car and into the woods. At approximately 6.30 a.m., a police officer stopped to check on a car that was parked on the side of Highway 171. When he got out, he found Corn, who who said that he had locked himself out of the cab and was also out of gas, but that someone was coming to help him. Satisfied with this response, the officer proceeded on his way, unaware that Justin's body was actually in the woods nearby. Oh my God. It wouldn't be until several hours later that Justin's family realized that he was missing. When Ju- when Dustin woke up and didn't find Justin in bed, he assumed that he had just went home. So he made the walk down to return Justin's backpack to their house. When D- Justin's brother told Dustin that Justin was not there and didn't come home, they immediately started to worry. After a call to Justin's mom, Amy, um, and then to the police, it became obvious that what they were dealing with was a missing person. Phone calls immediately went out to friends and family to see if anyone had heard from him. Police started searching the area, and that is when they received their first clue. A neighbor reported seeing the cab in the early hours of the morning and was able to read the company's logo on the side. He stated that it was a green action taxi. This was enough to give police something to work with, and they immediately put out the notice. After hearing about the missing child and the description of the suspect's car, Keith Banta, who I found referenced as both a sheriff's deputy and a DEA agent, so I don't really know which one, (laughs) um, remembered that he saw a similar car that morning around 8 a.m., on his way to work. He stated that the green action taxi was parked on the side of the road and that the driver was in the car rocking back and forth and shaking the car. He kind of described it as like they were like holding on the steering wheel and they were just like really angry shaking, kind of like mad. And as he drove by, he was somewhat concerned and his gut told him that he should have turned around and see what was going on. But because he was late for work, he just kept passing by and kept going. After hearing about these suspicious events that all happened in the same area, Keith Banta returned to the area to see if the car was still there. 
It was no longer there, but he decided to investigate the area anyway. To him, it looked as if people had been in the area because the limbs uh, from trees and like bushes and the grass was all kind of matted down like someone had walked through that area. Mm -hmm. Further back into the woods that he went, he would eventually spot the body of Justin Bloxham in a face down in a shallow pool of water. Mm -hmm. The same day, Horn was actually staying with his brother Kevin, and Kevin received a call that their mom, um, from their mom stating that the police were searching for Brian in a connection to Justin. Because at this point, they had realized, you know, who's been driving that area. There's, they can figure stuff out. Kevin then woke up Horn and convinced him to turn himself in. They dropped off the action taxi back at the cab little depot and drove it to the DeSoto Parish Sheriff Station. And Horn was arrested shortly after for the death of Justin. Um, some of the most damning evidence that they found against him was when the car was actually dropped off at the Action Taxi um, little depot in Bossier Parish. The Bossier Parish police officers started a kind of basically a crime scene investigation of the cab. Um, looking for fingerprints, they found his fingerprints in the in the cab, and they found a SIM card in the front seat. And originally, he tried to say that it was him, but ultimately, they figured out it was Justin's SIM card that was in the front seat of the car. Um, so that was probably the most damning evidence. Um, I am not going to talk about the state of Justin's body out of respect because I don't think how he was found and what happened to his body is important to the story. It does not help it. It does not hinder it. It's not important. Um, it's only important that something terrible happened. Um, unfortunately, the trial would take about two years to begin. Jurors from East Baton Rouge were brought in so that they were more of a non-biased jury and prosecutors from Caddo Parish were brought in as none of the lawyers in DeSoto Parish had any capital murder, murder trial experience, so they just wanted, like, the most experienced people available for this case. Um, from, trial notes, from trial notes that I found, it seems like the defense was framing it like Horn wanted to arrange to have Justin have sex with his wife and his girlfriend by stating, and this is a quote from the defense lawyers, that quote, teenagers want to have sex with adults, end quote. Um, and that it is supposed to be, that it was supposed to be a fun experience for both of them. Meaning he was hyping Justin up to have sex with this 14 year old girl, but really he was going to pick him up, take him back to his wife and let his wife have, because he, they talk about in the trial how Horn liked to watch his wife and girlfriend have sex with younger men while he watched. And that this was kind of something that he was trying to do. Bethany's eyes are about to pop out of her head. I just, I have no words. 
and like he wasn't even a teenager. He was he was a child. He was a child. Um, the defense also admitted that Horn was a sex offender quite openly, but that he had a preference of girls and that he, quote, does not rape boys. That makes it better, folks. He rapes little girls. So not little boys. There's no way that he did that to a boy. That makes it so much better. So much. Because, you know. Um, in the closing remarks, the lawyers... His lawyers admitted his guilt, and despite Horn's wishes to plead not guilty, they basically said, end quote, I'm going to quote it, We know Brian Horn killed Justin Bloxham. I'm not asking you to let him walk the streets. I am not asking you to find him not guilty. I'm I'm asking you to find him not guilty. And this was in reference to them like wanting to get a not guilty verdict of first degree murder, but rather of second degree murder because it carried less jail time. I don't mean to laugh, but he needed different lawyers. Okay. Okay. So for him to just straight up say, I know my client did it and is saying he didn't. What? I don't think that has ever happened. Yes. Like ever. In a way, yes, it has, and it is important to the next part of this. Horn was convicted, and he was sentenced to death. So, despite all that, he was convicted. I mean, yeah, his lawyers even (laughs) said he did it, so I'm not surprised. He was convicted and sentenced to death. Um, Six years later, the remarks made by the defense would come back to bite them in the butt. In 2018, the Louisiana Supreme Court ruled that When the defense admitted that Horn had killed Justin, they were not respecting their client's wishes. And this comes from another case that the Supreme Court ruled on. Um, I think it was McCoy versus the state of Louisiana, basically stating that same situation. The defense said, hey, my client did this, but the client really was like, no, I didn't. I'm saying I'm not guilty. And you're automatically basically putting a guilty plea in. It's literally attorney-client privilege. Whatever you say to yeah. your attorney, they cannot They're, go and say. And they were like, no, he did it. Yeah. He did it. I mean, but I cannot, I cannot say that I wouldn't do either because I could never be a defense lawyer. Oh, I lawyer. could not be an attorney. I could not be a lawyer because the first time I get somebody that is guilty and they straight up tell me that they killed somebody. I'd be like, how can I help put them in jail? Dis- disbar me. Yes, um, because I could not away. I could not defend a person like this. Find me in contempt. Just take them away, please. <laughs> um, this meant, though, that his original conviction would be overturned. Oh. So they would have to try him a second time. And this is actually where we are today. Currently, we are awaiting awaiting for the trial to start over again and hopefully come up with the same conviction. Right now, they are assembling the jury, most likely from out of town again, um, and preparing the case. It, to me, is absolutely crazy that this case was overturned in the first place. Um, Even though I understand why, it's still blows my mind. 
Um, but I have no doubts in my mind that he's going to be convicted again. Like, I, they can spend the money to do this all over again, but I think it's going to be the same result. He's going to be found guilty of this. It just breaks my heart, though, that the family has to endure this all over again because all I kept thinking about is this happened in 2010. Two years later, they get a trial. And then six years later, they have to do it all over again. Like, they're already never going to heal from this tragedy. But now it's just like just when you start getting to a point where, you know, maybe your life kind of feels a little better. It's never going to feel normal, but it's going to feel a little better. It's like ripping the band-aid off all over again. Because once again, the family has to sit in the courtroom. They have to testify again. They have to see his clothing again. They have to see the evidence again. They have to see the pictures again. Like, they shouldn't have to be put through that again, in my opinion. I think it's, it's, it upsets me. Um, despite all of this heartbreak though, and tragedy, Justin's mom, who we've already said is a saint, um, has advocated for children and become a spokesperson for preventing things like this from happening to other kids. In fact, she, along with several other legislators from the area, were able to pass a law that prohibits sexual predators from holding jobs that involve like driving taxis, limos, carnival ride operators, stuff like that. Um, and this not only passed in Louisiana, but this law has been passed in a few of our surrounding states as well. I have so much respect for this woman for taking the absolute worst event that's ever happened in her life. And in turn, instead of internalizing all of that energy, she focused it outwards so that she could work to make the world a better place and prevent this from happening to other kids. And we don't know how many kids because of this that have been saved because a sexual a sexual predator was not put in a situation where they were tempted or had access to a child. So that makes me feel really good about the whole thing. A few months after the death of Justin, Amy sued the cab company and its owner for wrongful death. She believes that the company and its owner, David McFarlane, should be held personally responsible for the death of Justin due to the fact that his company knowingly hired a sex offender. Unfortunately, the court ruled that he could not be personally held accountable, but the family was ultimately paid a lump sum and the company um, known as Action Taxi agreed to get rid of the cab and change its name. A private buyer did purchase the cab and the family took possession of it and a few years later it was ultimately destroyed. I don't know what this means for the trial since that was a part of the trial was them looking at the cab, but I still hope that it's as solid without having it, um, having to physically be there. In the meantime, um... If you want to follow along with this case, you can join the Facebook group, Justice for Justin Bloxham. Um, they do update it with info. They put 
you know, every time there's a missing kid in the area or really anywhere, they'll post about it. They'll, they raise money for different events and for different missing kids. It's a really active page. Um, to end this whole case though, I do want to make sure that parents out there that are listening that have, you know, preteens, young, young kids that are involved, not even necessarily in social media, take a moment to talk to your kids about internet safety. It doesn't have to mean that you're checking their phones or their tablets obsessively or being overbearing. It can really just mean having regular conversations with them about the types of people online, how to handle them, and how they can feel comfortable telling you when someone makes them uncomfortable. I would love to provide everyone with updates for this case if that's something that you would like. Um, I think it's important that his story is still told and that until this trial is over and we have that conviction once again that it is on the forefront of people's minds. Um, in the end, I hope that I did this whole story and this whole tragedy justice and that no one is mad at me for getting something wrong. I really hope people would give me more grace than that. Um, I remember this case so vis- viv- vividly when it happened because, I mean, I was living with my grandparents maybe 10 minutes away from this. And I remember when it went to trial for the first time. It was It was a huge deal. Um, in this area and I hope that this second trial is just as huge of a deal so that people know people advocate for justice Um, but I hope you all enjoy this episode Um, Bethany was this is worse than you thought it was going to be better it was worse it was not all what I told Crystal I thought it was Um, and yeah I don't know It makes me, I don't know, it makes me kind of thankful that I wasn't allowed to have social media. Oh, I could totally see that. Because, I mean, I was a little bit older than him. We both were. But it makes me thankful. And I remember being kind of like, oh, my God, Mom, everybody has MySpace. Everybody has a cell phone. I'm the only one that doesn't. I really wasn't. I mean, I kind of was. But, (laughs) um. It was just my mom making sure I was safe. So, yeah. I mean. And, I mean, your mom, if you think about it, looking back, your mom did did you a service. Because mm-hmm. it's hard when you're a kid. You don't, you don't really know. Like, you don't. Like, his mom says that she almost felt mad at him some, like, like afterwards because she was almost mad that he didn't see through the the fake stuff that people were saying but she had to be reminded that he's just a child and that he doesn't he doesn't see that as well as a grown adult does and i think that's important why in today's world where even a kid playing roblox on their tablets can get messages from creeps we have, I have all of that turned off. Yes. And even if Alex, like my oldest, asked to play Fortnite, he's not allowed to wear headphones and he is only allowed to play by himself. Yes. Call me what you will, helicopter mom, I will circle around the building. <laughs> <laughs> but mine are young and people out there are sick, so. Mm-hmm. 
So, I, I mean, there's you have to protect your babies. Do what I can. So, well, that is it for this case. I will try to update it as I can. But, um, again, if you are close to this case and I did something wrong or said something wrong or got a piece of information wrong or if you can clear up any of the mysteries that I had and questions that I had, I'd really appreciate your time to reach out to me. Um, but that's all I have for this case, and we will see you guys next week. Bye.